Well, hello everyone and welcome back to the 12th episode of the True North Racing Podcast. I'm your host, John Morrison. This week on the program, we have driver of the number 57 modified, dirt modified at that, out of around London, Ontario, we have Joey Harrimans. Before we do, we're going to hear a quick word from our presenting sponsor, Jumbo Media and Promotions. All right, everyone, just before we jump into this week's episode, I want to talk to you about our presenting sponsor, Jumbo Media and Promotions. Jumbo Media provides race-ready promotions to bring you and your team to the next level. We provide weekly updates as well, providing off-season, mid-season, end-of-year write-ups for your team. On top of the write-ups, we have photo and video opportunities as well. For more information, contact us at jomopromos at gmail.com. That's J-O-M-O-Promos at gmail.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and follow us at Jomo Media. All right, you guys, just before we jump into our episode this week with Joey Harriman's, we're just going to have a quick little chat here. Guys, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for each and every listener that is out there that listens to the True North Racing Podcast here on Apple, Spotify, Google, wherever you guys listen from. doesn't matter if it's the big three that I just named or any of the other smaller ones that I that you guys listen from. I want to thank you guys from the bottom of my heart for, for listening, for checking this out, even for a minute. Um, so, yeah, we're going to jump in with Joey here. Um, it was a great conversation with him. Um uh, guys, uh, um, you guys are going to learn a little bit about him, a little more about him, how he got into racing, how he was brought up, some great stories. Um, yeah. Um, so before we do, guys, uh, we are selling Jomo Media merch and apparel now. There's ha- there's uh, sorry, there's no, uh, there's T-shirts, there's long sleeve, there's hoodies, there's women's sizes, men's sizes, even youth sizes. So head on over to the link in my uh, on Jomo Media Instagram or on the links in Jomo Media on Facebook or Twitter. Guys, go check it out. Support your boy. Um, it, it, it means a lot to me uh, to keep this guy, to keep this show going. Um, so right now, guys, here's our conversation with Joey Harriman's. So sit back, relax, and let's go racing. All right, guys, this week on the True North Racing Podcast, we have Joey Harriman's uh, on with us. Joey, how are you? Oh, not too bad. How's yourself, John? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Um, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas to yourself as well. Uh, how's your, uh, I don't know how much racing you got done last year, but how, how's your off-season going? Quiet. We only got out a couple times last year. Um, at the start of it, it was a cost thing Yeah, uh, for just me and my dad to go it wasn't quite, it didn't quite make sense. Um, normally it would cost us 60 bucks to enter the gate and they were charging, I think 250. Yep. On top of 150 that we, for tow money that we would, so it ended up being like, instead of like a $300 night, like a $500 night. So we yeah. had to kind of plan out when we could um, just to, you know, we're just grassroots racers. So it's not like we're made of, made of money, you know? Yeah, exactly. So just for the people who don't know, what exactly do you uh, race? Uh, it is a Northeast Dirt Car Sportsman Modified. It's a tongue twister, but uh, essentially the same big block modifieds that got just got put into iRacing for maybe some guys that don't know the dirt side too much, but no iRacing, they'll give them something to kind of gauge it against. Yep. Um, it's, uh, so it's, modif- it's the, the same as those but with a 602 crate motor in it. 
then that's what they call the sportsman class. Okay. Uh, what kind so of tires do you been, run on those? Uh, we got the treaded uh, the treaded Hoosiers. Okay. But we end up by the time something you get a treaded tire, and by the time you're done with it, you've shredded it down to damn near nothing. Um, by the time you groove it, sipe it, and then you get doing that for multiple weeks and different tracks, and it's uh, there's a, it's tire preps a heavily involved game in these cars. Yeah, for sure. Whereabouts uh, whereabouts do you race those those cars? Uh, so right now I mainly run Merrittville, which is up by St. Catharines, Thorold. Um, about 15 minutes from Merrittville is Humberstone Speedway. Um, if you got, I know the, uh, the, the G-Force guys actually, I think they kicked off their season there. Yep. Um, if, any, if anyone got to watching that stuff, that would be Humberstone. And then uh, we also race at Oshwegan, Osh- uh, but once or twice a year. And that's actually my favorite track. It's tracks so wide it seems when you're looking at it on the ground level small compared yeah. to Merrittville but when you get out there it actually feels way bigger compared to Merrittville or Humberstone oh wow um, so and Glenn puts on a top like he gives us a great surface every night we get out there I I've only made it to Oshawa and I haven't made it to Merrittville or Humberstone but I have driven by them enough but haven't gone been able to stop in and actually ca- ca- uh, catch a race. I'm hoping to this year. I'm hoping to travel a little bit more to each track here in Ontario. So hopefully you're uh, you're racing one night that I that I get to go out there and uh, check out those tracks. I really want to. I, I again I watched them on G Force, and they uh, I learned something about. Uh, I kind of watched them and I was like, man, those look like cool tracks. I want to hit them up. So. Um, yeah, I, I I wish I could give a comparison, but I can't. So, uh, it's Merrittville. If I were to make a comparison, uh, Merrittville is a very, uh, I want to say, low speed, but not low speed what you would think. Um, it's a lot more. It slicks off, slicks off a lot quicker. Yeah. And you spend a lot more time kind of doing a two foot dance. So that's why I'm kind of saying lower speed is where Oshwegan you can really toss it in a lot harder. Because okay. the corners are a lot more gradual, a lot more wider. Um, so two completely different tracks, but they're funner than Hector race at. Yeah, I can imagine. Uh, so we're going to jump back here. Uh, how long have you been racing? Uh, I'd be This would be going on to my 16th season, I think, in total. And what, did you, what was your first car that you raced? Uh, my first car was a junior micro sprint. If anyone from the London area listens to this, um, you would get, uh, like, we, they ra- used to race them out at Wilton Grove Speedway, and then Fisher Farms were the two tracks for them. So okay. they were kind of our local go-kart scene. Yeah. And then uh, when, it, uh, when did you start moving up in, in your levels? Uh, the very end of that summer, because I outgrew the car. <laughs> I went from being like four foot nothing and I sprouted out like a half a foot oh, and wow. my suit didn't fit me. My helmet didn't fit me. <laughs> um, I'll actually, uh, I'll take a picture. I got a picture I'm looking at right now of the last time I ran the car and it actually, my suit does not fit. Like, I don't know if it would have, <laughs> my suit would have been legal for that race. Cause I mean, it was the tightest of everything. <laughs> I never wanted to suit that tight ever again. Oh boy. No, no. <laughs> I hit the growth spurt in the wrong time. I, it could have came a couple months later after the race season. 
Yeah, for sure. Um, we actually took a year off after that, and then I uh, went into the 440 micro sprints after that. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> what old cars have you raced to get before you got up to the, up to the modified? Uh, so I basically stuck to the local London area scene. Um, so like I said, the junior micro sprints is where I started. I yep. actually raced those up at Oshwegan. Um, because the tracks around here shut down and the guys that were running around here talked to Glenn and we were racing on their warm-up tracks. So the back track that yep. um, was actually kind of our track on, I think it was Saturdays at like one o'clock start. Um, so I did that for a year. Didn't quite fit the car no more, but I was too young to really move up and race the next class. Yeah. Uh, so I had to go up to a, what I had to do, what I, and I didn't know it at the time. Um, but I moved up to the four forties, not knowing that grand band had a nine horse sprint and a, a class for the junior micro sprints. Um, and not knowing I could have went that asphalt route, um, quite at that time. Um, I didn't figure that out till actually the first year I ran the four forty. So I went from starting on dirt jumped over over to the 440 micro sprint which is a non-suspended car um anyone ever watched the hurricane midgets back in the day yeah um, something along it was basically those but not quite as long like if you were to chop maybe like a half a foot out of the cage okay and shrink them up it would be a lot closer as far as wheelbase went okay but uh same motors. I mean, they used a lot of Polaris. I started with a Polaris motor on our car, um, switched over to Rotex after a couple of years. Um, that's what I really liked about the 440s actually is we had some options. You could run a sled clutch or centrifugal clutch. Um, you could run Suzuki, Bombardier, Rotex, uh, Polaris, Yamaha. There was, and then there was a couple of really old, old, makes that were out but uh that class was an it was an awesome class i mean i ran in that car for two years just that car itself then we bought a hurricane midget off of dave insel and put suspend had gary brooks help us put the suspension on it and so we basically what the pro if you were to think of the oscar pro midgets now yep the, the second the second 440 I bought was the exact same thing as an Oscar Pro Midget, or at least what the Oscar Pro Midgets were when they first came on the scene. Okay. Um, so if that kind of gives you a little bit of an idea of what uh, what you're looking at there. So okay. I would run, I took my flat bottom car, took it to Wonderland Speedway, which is just outside London by the 400, uh, the 400 series highway there. Okay. Uh, uh, by the 402 there? Uh, yeah. I think it's the 402. Yeah. It would when be it the goes north to Sarnia, right? Yeah. I think yeah. it's the 402. Because Lambeth has the 401 and the 402, and I always get them screwed up. Yeah. But it's, I think it's like you could basically see the track from the overpass. On or Wonder from the Wonderland? intersection. Pardon? On Wonderland? Uh, just about, yeah. Okay. Like, uh, the way you come from the back way, if you if you're coming up, we came up Longwoods Road, and then would take a right down Wonderland Road, and then yep. that would bring you right along the back of the track. 
Okay. And you could see pretty well the tops of people's trailers at the gate from just before Wonderland Road on Longwoods. Okay. So it was, and I mean, that track had been there for, by the time it closed, from what I was told, 35, almost 40 years. Oh, wow. And I mean, when I say Field of Dreams, I mean, like, it was the Field of Dreams. It was <laughs> like, you pulled in, some summers you'd pull in and it was nothing but cornfield around. Yeah. So you'd be pulling it into this, you wouldn't even think there was a racetrack there. And as you pulled back, you would see the track <laughs> open up. And you could just see the cornfield everywhere. So yeah. it reminded me of the movie Field of Dreams growing up. I, I could just imagine that. I I, 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 I had to take my sister to a, a soccer game one time when she was playing rep soccer. And the same kind of deal. We pulled up to this middle of nowhere soccer field. We were like, where is this soccer field? Turns out it was in the middle of a cornfield. So <laughs> I, I, I kind of hey, understand man. that. I just imagine that view just pulling. It's like, where are we going? And like the first time going there, like, where the heck is this thing? And then you just like open up. It's like, ah, it's like the shining. Yeah, for sure. So I raced there on Fridays for the better half of my career by this point. Okay. Um, probably about 11 years I raced, 10, 11 years I raced there. So I'd raced there on Fridays originally with the non-suspended car. Yep. And I would race Grand Bend Speedway with the new suspended car on Saturdays. And then when they did double show, because sometimes they would have a Saturday-Sunday show. Yep. I'd be racing dirt on Friday, jumping in the asphalt car Saturday, jump back in the asphalt car Sunday, go back to school on Monday, do it all over again that week. So I was, I was about to say, that sounds like a perfect weekend right there. It taught you dedication. I mean, yeah, there was sure. times where something went wrong on Saturday. You'd pull the car out of the trailer at like 7 o'clock in the morning in the campground. Start yep. working on it right in the campground until they would open the gates back up so you could get in the gates and get everything finished up for the day. Yeah, uh, for But, sure. I mean, I wouldn't – for that be my childhood, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah, I, I can only imagine that. Um, so, once you were done with those, the actual car in the 440, what, what did you move up to? Um, so, once I finished in the on the asphalt scene, um, was actually probably – two or three years before I moved up to a full-size car. Okay. Um, what we did was we took our asphalt suspended car, brought it over to the dirt track, and raced in what they called the outlaw class. Okay. Because the, the outlaw class had suspension. The micro class had no suspension. Okay. Um, so, and that was, there was a couple different reasons why we did that. Part of it was the new 450 motor program that was coming in at Grand Bend for those cars. They were using a 450 four-stroke dirt bike motor with full transmission. Okay. And for a guy like us that ran centrifugal clutch, there was no way we were going to keep up on the starts. Yeah. Because they could start in, like, first gear. But I would have to, like, idle so low that it actually wouldn't engage the clutch or it would heat the clutch up. Yeah. And basically roast the clutch out of it. Um, so we moved over to the dirt side and started playing around on the dirt and after a few years of doing that is when i moved up into the um the car i race now actually the modified the sportsman modified so this would be my fifth year going into that okay and what so have you been, noticed about that class uh since you from net from when you started to now uh what i've learned is there's it almost never stops but the biggest thing i've learned is patience 
Yeah. Um, and the little cars on the small tracks, when guys got messing up, you could take advantage of it really easily. Um, these cars sometimes can be somewhat forgiving when you do bobble a little bit through the corner. Um, so guys are able to actually catch it a little easier and stay on the power. Or there's a couple of different things you can do to kind of, when you're getting out of control, to keep get it back in control real quick. Yep. Um, especially on the, like when the track gets real slick. So that would almost be number two, is learning how to read the dirt. I mean, you start the start of the night, I think we we're seven, seven and a half inches of stagger. By the time we go into the feature, we're down to like six inches. Oh, wow. And we've turned, we've done three or four turns. Like we used to, it got to one point in our third year, our third or fourth year. Um, our changeover from heat race to feature would take us like a half hour. Oh, wow. Because it was, you know, turn here, turn there, switch out this tire. Um, you know, make a few more changes, put gas in the car, exactly how much gas we want in the car. Um, but that's all part of racing. And that's what makes it fun, especially yeah. for someone like myself, my dad that do it. When we do run good, we know we did it on our own and no one did it for us kind of deal. Yeah. Um, so those how many, really be the, sorry, go ahead. Those would really be the two biggest things I've learned is just patience and how to read dirt. Yeah. Um, so kind of going with the uh with that and then uh kind of curious how many features have you won in your five years of being in this in the modified uh so i got the rookie feature that was in my first year they had a rookie class so okay. if, as long as you hadn't won in the main sportsman class you were allowed to run this rookie class so we had a couple guys that would pop down once in a while like if they had a bad wreck the week before and they wanted to shake down their car. They would pop down to the, the novice class for a, a week, just make sure their car was in good working order. Then they'd go back racing with the the full class. Um, okay. So I won that actually my second or third time out in that car and actually led from basically green to checkered on that one. Oh, got to um, love those ones. I can actually send you a, a link to it. I got it's on my YouTube channel, so I'll send you a link to it, John, if you want to take a look at it. Yeah, for sure. Um, so that was that would have been my rookie year, and since then we were I mean we were making some gains. Um, you know, second or third year. Yep. Um, our third year, we had a really bad crash and basically twisted the rear end like a pretzel. Oh wow! Like I got just going in underneath a guy. I miss under. I miss uh, kind of misjudged how much speed I had going in and got it sideways. And the guy behind me, don't, I don't think he expected me to get it sideways. Yeah. So he wasn't lifting. And when he came around, he hit dead square on the left, left rear tire, accordion to the rim, didn't break the rim, just accordion the rim. Yeah. Busted the bottom frame rail that runs underneath the axle and actually twisted the back part of the frame. Oh, wow. Um, so we got rid of that car. But by that point, that year, we had had some real bad luck, but it looked like we were going to be strong. We came out of the box feeling confident because our second year, we actually won our last two heat races that we raced Yeah. Um, against some very – I mean, it's on a tacky track, so it's a little easier for guys like me to keep up with the top guys. Yep. Um, but I was still pretty dang proud of myself to, by the end of our second year, have – a novice feature win 
contend for a couple more novice features and then go up into the big class and win a couple of heat races, challenge around the top. We were about a top 10 to 15 car. Yep. Most nights. So we were, we were starting to make the strides in the right direction. And then our third year seemed to just be nothing but bad luck and uh, not much you can do about that. Yeah. Um, and then kind of year four, how was that? Year four was, so that would be last year. It was not the year we were looking for. We chased, you know, chased, chased, chased the car. Couldn't get it to, you know, it'd be, if we did get it to be loose, we had to loosen it off so much that it was way too loose. Yeah. Um, and if, when we tried to tighten it up, it's almost like a look, you adjusted a little bit tight was almost times 10. Yeah. And so we can never quite get it where we wanted. Um, and then we, so we fell back to, I'd say a 15th to 20th place car. Okay. So we were definitely losing ground to where we were, um, you know, the year before that. Yeah. And the difference I think is um, we changed when we, the third year we had to actually change our chassis. Yep. So uh, we went from a 08 to 07, which really isn't a big deal but we went from a standard floor to a rubber floor car and the rubber floor car is naturally tighter. And we just didn't tighten it up, I guess, enough um, with some of the other parts and pieces you can buy. Okay. That's one thing about these cars that I've, another thing I've learned is you kind of have to, you don't want to go out and buy the best of everything because it's not always going to necessarily work with what you got. Yeah. Um, like I know a friend of mine, he's got, I got it. So what I, what I have is considered, I think a gen two rubber floor and he has a gen one rubber floor. And what he, you know, he went out and bought a bunch of really good parts for his car. And it almost like he didn't go forwards, but when he started taking off some of those higher parts and putting back on some of the more stock stuff, yeah, he started being fast again. So it was these cars just based off the type of chassis and the options you can get with the chassis. You almost have to decide on what route you want to go for all your little parts and pieces to go along with it. Yeah, that, that's definitely with uh, most cars though. You kind of have to figure out what works best for that car, no matter what. Yeah. It, it could be the exact same car, but like you put all the things into a new car, it's set up exactly the same way. But guess what? It's going to act differently than that other car did. A hundred percent. And right, so that's something coming out. Up. Sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say that's something coming up in the 440 regs. I never had to really experience, I guess. Yeah. Um, so that was, that was when I, and then I got in, you know, switching. That's where I, that happened. And I was like, whoa, okay. Yep. Nope. We got to, we got to go back on our game plan a little here. <laughs> uh, those, the, yeah. That I, I always love those part nights though, when you're just trying to figure out what works best for the car. Because, you know, the, you're putting out the best product you can on that track, even if it's not the top end, not the most expensive parts either. 100% for sure. It's, I mean, but they're also, they're, they're the nights to make you pull your hair out. But at the end of the night, but at the end of the night, you learn the most. Yeah. Because there will be, you can always find that little something, you know, that, oh, we were, well, you know, although we were going this way with it, when we did this with the stagger, it felt a little better. Or, you know what? I think if we did this with the shock, instead of going up on a couple turns, going down on a couple turns, or 
Yeah. Little things like that. You can almost find the little silver linings that will make you quicker in the end, the end game. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then kind of, you jumped, you talked a little bit about this year, um, understanding with COVID and all that, um, on average, how many cars do you guys typically get on a race night? Uh, this year, I think we had a full field every night. So that would be 26 cars. I think they take. Okay. Um, it can be anywhere because you got to think there's also Ransomville, Fulton. Uh, I know there's a couple more missing uh, just on the other side of the border in New York. Yep. So that's kind of with Bicknell's racing products being right there, um, which is a big chassis builder and a couple of the engine builders being right local to that area. That's kind of a hot spot for these cars. Yep. Um, so we get anywhere between 20 to 26 cars every night oh wow um, and then i mean there's been nights where i've showed up we've had 30 32 on the nights where humberstone isn't racing on a sunday or ransomville got rained out the night before um so we get pretty strong car counts i mean i think to get 20 cars i think any class right now you got to be pretty happy yeah for sure and the only classes that are really doing that are the the mini stocks the pure stocks and or any division that that of a low low cost to to get in right a little more affordable and yeah exactly spend so much time on the car that Um, too i got a couple guys that race in the mini stocks and asphalt bone stocks um and for them they mean they they'll i'll be talking to them and they'll do maybe a night or two of maintenance yeah um and, you know, they got the rest of the week to spend with their family and do whatever they want and have some fun. But there's nights where me and dad get into the shop on Sunday and it feels like I don't come out till race day on next Saturday. <laughs> um, with these bigger cars, it's just so much more involved that you got to do with them every week. Yeah, for sure. Um, but that goes along with your thought of it gives people that's that entry level class that gives people that chance to learn all that stuff, right? Yeah. Um, you got to start, you got to start somewhere. And if we're giving guys a class, like a four cylinder that they can learn how to work on them and, you know, how to drive and stuff like that. It's, I don't mind, you know, it's good to see them having strong fields cause it means there's interest in racing. Oh yeah, for sure. I just kind of wish it would uh, uh, help kind of trickle up the ladder too, to help have an even uh, growing pattern across all classes. Yeah, we might have to work on the old uh, Canadian government to lower our taxes for that to happen. <laughs> that, yeah, you may have to do that as well. Um, so kind of going forward, uh, we're going to jump into a quick uh, – I got, I did receive one question today. Um, our question comes from – actually, uh, just trying to think here. Uh, our uh, two guests prior to you. So he's actually going to be our third guest uh, coming up here soon. His name is Jonathan Vay. Jonathan oh, Vay. Yeah, he's a, the mini stock driver. Pure stock. Ago. Okay. Pure stock guy. Um, he said he asked, "What are your goals for 2021?" Uh, to be honest, for 2021, I would just like to get back going in the right direction. Yeah. Um, like I said, we got it a couple times in 2020. We went out for a practice day and. The car felt great, um, but then when we got out for race day, it still wasn't bad. Um, We were running about 17th, and it was going to be probably our only start of the year. So I wasn't really – I was fighting with guys, but you 
when you know you're only just trying to get the car home one piece, it's um, a hard to figure out what you got and where you're going. Yeah. But B, you don't want to right, you know, get jockeying with guys a little too hard. Yeah. Um, so I was happy to see we were running about 17th this year, probably a 17th to 20th place car again. Yeah. Uh, but my goal, to be honest, would just be to make start making those steps back forward and get back to, you know, 15th, even to be 14th, 13th would be, I'd be ecstatic. Yeah. Um, you know, if I could get back, if I could win a heat race, I'd, I'd, that'd, be, that'd make my entire year, to be honest. Um, just because we've had a couple rough years and it's always nice to finally see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. Um, so kind of going with your goals towards 2021, what are you doing in the off season to prepare yourself to get yourself up into a top 10 position or competing for uh, heat wins? Uh, that would be really the tough for us. It's a little tough to really know where we're at Yeah, um, with only getting out once. We don't know. We have some ideas of what we would like to change. Um, just a couple of small suspension changes. That's what's happened is the driver decided to go and hit the Jenny Craig program and lose 70, 80 pounds. So, and I've been bugging my dad, to, well, maybe we need to start, you know, looking at the suspension because we did lose quite a bit of weight out of the middle of the car. Yeah. Um, so we've been mulling some stuff back and forth, just trying to figure out where we want to go with that. Um, like I said, we only got out once, so we think we're we think we know which way we want to go with it, but that's only that one track state. Yeah. You get into a slick track, what's a slick track compared to a you know, rubber you know, rubber dirt track? It's so much slicker than an actual yeah. what what you would think of a slick track would be. Um, so we're not we don't have a whole lot planned, um, just because we didn't get a whole lot of time to really know where 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 we were at yeah so it'll be one of the off seasons where we kind of do the least but i think by doing that we can still go forward um, do i think top 10 probably not but would i like to start challenging even for top 15 would be great because i think the I think we're getting the car to go in that direction it's just it's hard to be confident after just getting out for one night last year yeah it, it's um now Call, call me whatever you want to hear just because I, I i'm more of an asphalt i deal with a lot more asphalt stuff compared to dirt stuff i'm i'm still learning i've always been fascinated by dirt but have just never really gotten into it so if i'm ignorant here just tell me um on so asphalt we typically have we have our practices at the beginning of the year but we also have practice day practice days uh Flamber runs a practice down tuesdays typically um from the afternoon to dusk does, does the dirt side have anything like that or is not, it just more difficult because they do so much tra uh it's a lot more track prep i think it kind of like i know humberstone has done it in the past um Merrittville's tried it out i don't think it catches on quite as much because of the track prep yeah that goes on i mean you get they'll start you know if we race on saturday they'll start on monday yeah and work the track until we get there on saturday so if you start all of a sudden in the middle of the week start tearing it up again yeah um, it just makes it a little more a little bit more difficult for the actual for the track to give us a surface that's you know good to race on okay um, so it doesn't happen quite as much but we do generally get 
um, a couple practice days at the start of the year, each track will do a practice day or two practice days. Yeah. Um, so I'll find out what we got then. Um, but yeah, in when they do, like when they were doing them, they would have them on like a Wednesday or a Tuesday. Okay. So for us to drive up, cause we're London to St. Catharines. So about three hours, Yeah. if not just a little bit more than that, um, you know, get work off work at five, get home by six by the time you get up there they're already done <laughs> yeah exactly okay so no that that's that's the reason why i was asking is because typically like i've been to tuesday night uh like I've, i used to work down by flamborough so it would be nothing for my buddy to make sure all his stuff was loaded up and meet me at the track because i'm five minutes away so there's we me and him were meeting at the same time and we'd yeah. be able to get a couple hours of practicing but i guess if you're coming from london <laughs> that makes it a lot more difficult when the only track you really have out there as well is Southern Ontario Motor Speedway. Yeah, and I've uh I don't I haven't heard of, heard I haven't heard of anything as far as us you know the the northeast modifieds going there. Yeah. Um but I mean I've partly why I like this class so much is there gives me options like I can go to Brighton, um Cornwall, Oshwegan, Humberstone, um Southern Ontario. Yeah, um, I can go to some different tracks. So if they were to, you know, pop up a race for us in the middle of the year, there might be a chance to see me end up there. It's a little closer. <laughs> How, and I've never been before. So that's the, that's the cool thing. Yeah. Um, so kind of growing up in, I guess you, have you been like uh, born and raised in London area? Yep. Uh, definitely born right in middle of London. And we, about 16, we moved outside of London. Um, only about 20 minutes like just past Ilderton so okay you can still basically if you're Uncle Rico you could throw the football and still hit London <laughs> gotcha um, um but so I still consider myself from London yeah because it's I mean by give us a couple of years in London I'm sure London will just engulf us yeah that's that that's typical nowadays eh? the cities just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and swallowing up all these little small areas urban sprawl that's what exactly um so growing up what kind of tracks would you is obviously being in racing uh what other tracks non-racing like when you didn't race what tracks would you end up going to to watch so this a race? is gonna throw you off because being from london you would expect me to say delaware i mean um, you're not wrong <laughs> but uh i spent a lot of my time growing up at you know grand bend speedway yep and not the micro sprint track but the drag track okay um, and when I was, before I was racing, my dad, um, my dad did mud drag racing. Okay. So my dad has always been, you know, gearhead into cars. So we'd go once or twice a year, we'd go up to Grand Bend, um, check out some drag races, but then we would go to, to my dad's races. Yeah. Um, so. And you said nothing he... that turned left at all. <laughs> I'm making sure I heard this right. You said that he was mud drag racing. Yeah. Okay. I want to make sure I heard that correct. I for for first off, I had no clue that was actually a thing in Ontario. I'm gonna be straight up honest with you. I've only watched it on the Lucas Oil program that they had on Speed Speed Network, uh, the Lucas Oil on the Edge. That's the only time I've ever seen it. I never knew there was they had this in Ontario. If I knew there was this, I'd be going there. Uh, they don't do it anymore. And that's um, bad. <laughs> yeah, well, it is. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. 
Yeah. We met, like, there's a lot of people that my dad, I'm sure my dad wishes he got to see more because we only got to see him when we raced with him kind of deal. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. the racetrack movies. But, uh, yeah, we mean Ken Cardin, Dungannon, Milberton, Janetsville, uh, Collingwood. We were all over Ontario, but we only, I mean, there was a race once, once a month. Yeah. And what my dad had was basically a K10 or K, yeah, 88 Blazer. So a K10, I think it is, Blazer. Yep. Lifted up on 35-inch tires with a 468 Chev motor in it that probably cost him 20 grand every year to uh, oh, rebuild. Man. Yeah. Um, and that was just the mild class. There was guys that had, and I think if, correct me if I'm wrong, but the Lucas Oil one you're talking about, they had that horseshoe, right? Uh, no, it was straight up drag okay, racing. Was just the straight? But okay. it was, it was, it was more or less like a top fuel car. Yeah. And we have, we had those here where it was like, the car oh, was maybe seven foot long and yeah. it would have like old, uh, old Willie's body on it. Or like an old, if you were to look at like, if, if you were to take like an altered dragster. Yeah. That's what these cars looked like, but they had like 680 cubic inch and two kits of nitrous. Oh my God. See, now I, I wish that I wish I knew that these, these things were going on. Cause that is something yeah. that intrigued me and I've always wanted to see live. I love tractor pulls and that's about the closest thing to a drag race I've actually gotten to see because they don't turn left. They just go straight in a straight line. Um, yeah. But still, like, uh, to me, that is just a fascinating sport to begin with. So I wanted to clarify on that. That's, that's, that's what I heard because you piqued yeah. my interest when I heard that. No, my, uh, I think my dad has more trophies than I do. So I got to start winning here soon. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we did that until I started racing from, I think, my first time in my dad's truck was at Granton. And I could be wrong, but that could be the day he took, he went five seconds in his truck. Oh, wow. Full size Chev Blazer. Not like there, it was stripped down. There was like no interior except for yeah. just two plastic bucket seats. So there was basically no interior, but it was still an all metal. Like the truck was still all metal. Yeah. Like you could put a magnet on it and it would stick. <laughs> um, but it was, uh, Grant always had a very shallow pit. So you were, the object was this, like skipping a rock across yeah. the top. Yep. And uh, that, that too, much like every other racing, that too got to the point where it was, you're spending ridiculous amounts of money just to, just to be you, competitive. You, you spend a lot to win a little. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I got in an argument with my dad about this about a couple months ago, but I seen her in ever one year at Milverton. We won like, a grand yeah and that was considered like the big payout like that was considered like the biggest payout of the year it was like a thousand oh, bucks wow. which because we only raced once a month it wasn't bad yeah but for the guys that had like you know the mud rails or there was a couple guys that had basically monster trucks yeah that they just stripped down bare the thousand bucks wasn't even scratched in their ticket for the weekend. Yeah. But for someone like my parents where actually there's another picture in this house here, we, what we took, so we pulled with an eighties blazer 
on an open trailer with the with the race truck behind us. So you had what would be an absolute dream now, which is a square body blazer. We had two of them. Yeah. One of them was our tow rig. <laughs> um, but there's a picture of me sleeping with a trophy. On one side of it's all our you know our tent, our clothes. Like the other side of it was you know our food, our water. Like we looked like the clamp. It's going from race to race. Um, you know, real. It was rednecking at its finest, is what I'll say. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> but you know what though? Growing up, going to tracks and stuff, and doing what you were doing, to a lot of kids, like that—that's a dream. To just to go to be to be even a part of what you were, what your parents were doing. Right. For sure. Um, it's. Uh, I couldn't agree with you more. There, I wouldn't change it for the world. Yeah. Um, there's some good stories that still come up to this day anytime one of my dad's buddies a couple of them are around um, that he raced with there's a few stories that come up of you know me as a kid or you know something something me and one of his buddies kids did that got us in trouble and or you know, just stupid stuff like that that as a kid you don't realize until later in life that it's like man that was pretty awesome yeah um I'm sorry. I was, I'm sorry. We kind of went off topic there with the whole with the whole mud drag racing thing. I just had to yeah, make sure I heard exactly what I heard because that was, like I said, that was the best thing ever. That's the most random thing I could that, hear. Yeah. Absolutely, please do. I would love to see that. Um, I got a few of them. I'm just down in the basement right now, and I'm actually looking at the front of the King Carden News. And there's a couple pictures. So I'll send you one's one of the monster trucks. So like one okay. of the higher classes. And then the other one was when my dad actually flipped his truck. <laughs> Third pass of the year. Um, on I think it was like the first day. So you had two days. Yeah. Um, but it was like the third pass on the truck and he flipped it. Cause they had a wall in between them. <laughs> Cause if you didn't, I mean, you couldn't see where you were going. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, so I'll send you that picture, and I got a couple more down here. And actually, there's a couple on Facebook I can send over to you too of some of the older trucks. And just it was, you know, just out like it was again the field of dreams, man. Like you would yeah. go, you never would have known Milverton was there because it was yeah. in behind their ball. They had a, a sports complex. Okay. And the pit, you had to go around the batting cages. Yep. to get into the staging lane and the pit there was like a bit they, had, they put up a big wall behind the grandstand so yeah. when mud came flying off the trucks it wasn't getting onto their sports facilities and the pool that was right there i mean that's um, a smart idea but yeah <laughs> i remember towing back into king card and yeah it was basically a logging trail to get back there it seemed like as a kid yeah, it might not seem that way now to me, but as a kid, it seemed like you're going down a logging trail, pulling <laughs> your trailer, and then you had to go up like a, you know, a big huge incline. Oh um, wow! You know, some of these places were off the beaten path. I'll say that. <laughs> I I again, that's just like a, I, I that was that was my dream growing up. Like, was, not gonna lie, man, I was a little city kid growing up. I I'd moved out to the country ish when I was about 13 and haven't looked back since. So yeah, I got a good, I got, you got time for a story here, John? Absolutely, man. I'm always down for stories. 
Um, so this is the only time we ever went up to, I think it was Janetsville for a race. And there was a couple at the time, there was a couple of different racing associations that you could race under. Yep. Each had its own rules, different stuff like that. Um, I might have been 12 because I wasn't old enough to get back into the pits yet. I got in, but yeah. I wasn't quite old enough yet. Um, but a couple of guys at the end of the Saturday night had a little bit of gas they wanted to get rid of, and they tossed it on the fire. Well, I'd never seen a mushroom cloud in my life. <laughs> and I'm like 12 years old, and my dad, as soon as he sees what they're doing, my dad you know, pulls me back away from the fire, but as far as he can. Yeah. Because what they all do for a hobby, you know, taking – high horsepower trucks and chucking them across a 200 foot pond yeah um we weren't really the most sane people yeah way to put it yep <laughs> and you know they were, the fire was burning away and next thing i knew kapoof. but they had a couple a couple of the guys at their motorhomes and they had a tarp in between yeah and it blew a hole in the middle of the tarp <laughs> That's one of the most redneck memories I got, man. Oh, man. That is – I'm just, like, imagining it right now, and that is – oh, man. <laughs> At least your dad was smart enough to also pull you back away. So, like, if anything bad did happen, you were you were out of, oh, at we least were, out of the way. I was plenty out of the way by the time that happened. Luckily, my, da- my dad knows his friends good enough to go, okay, well, no, I see him going to do that. We're getting, we're getting away here a little bit. <laughs> Well, that's yeah that at least you at least that the like i said at least he was able to pull you out of the way to to get you out of harm's way so yeah but that is the most redneck thing i think i've ever heard of we did some crazy stuff over the years not so much myself because i wasn't quite old enough to understand what was going on but like the group of people that we went to these races with and whatnot yeah um, because most of them were two-day events you'd you'd end up just pitching a tent beside your tow vehicle and camp there for the weekend. Yeah. And you got a whole bunch of rednecks all in one area. Turns out to be the Talladega infield, I guess. <laughs> Sounds like it. Um, you know what? We're, we're, you know, we'll, on that note, we'll actually uh, let you get going. Uh, I know right now uh, we're recording a little bit earlier as, a lot of people know uh, I record about three weeks in advance for most episodes. So right now team Canada is playing team USA. And I feel like as a, as a nation, it is our duty to be able to watch the game and hope and cheer on team Canada as they, as they go for gold tonight. Um, I want to yeah, thank man. Joey for coming on. Uh, is there, before we go, is there anyone you want to thank any sponsors, any, anyone you want to thank? Uh, well, I'll start off with the people that got me into racing. Uh, my parents, and my gra- my grandparents have become even more supporting than that supportive uh, supportive than them in a way. Uh, my grandpa shows up to every race that never misses a race, and he's getting into his seventies now. Yeah. Um, so I'd like to thank my parents and my grandparents for having my back and believing in me. Um, and then my sponsors that have been with me since you know day one, basically. Um, Auto Fusion Towing's been there since day one. We got uh, Cheapside Tire and Auto and London's Rush Check. Now, that family's been with me since day one. 
um, his, the uh, fellow that owns those companies, his dad sponsored me before that. Um, and when his dad shut down his shop, the son said, well, heck, we'll sponsor you. So um, it's great. I mean, there are people that I've known personally my entire life and my dad, have, we have a personal connection with. Um, so it's, I can't thank them enough because they've always been there to help us out. That's awesome. Uh, so like I said, we're going to let you get going here. Uh, I want to thank you for coming on this week. Uh, it was a pleasure talking to you, getting to know you. Um, like I said, hopefully uh, I'll get to come out and uh, check one of your races here. As long as, uh, you know, fans are allowed back and, and all that jazz from COVID-19. So um, we yeah, want to sure. wish you the best off season. Uh, hopefully, like I said, hopefully we'll get to see you in uh, 2021. For sure. Thanks for having me on, John. All right, man. Have yourself a great night now, eh? Go Canada, go. Go Canada, go. Bye now. Bye. All right, you guys, that was driver number 57, Dirt Modified out of London area. Yeah, London area, just north of London. That was uh, Joey Harriman's. We want to thank Joey for coming on. As always, we always thank all our guys for coming on. Um, it was fantastic talking and getting to know him. Um, I hope you guys learned a little bit, little something out there. Um, yeah. Uh, like I said, um, thank you, Joey, for coming on. Uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, you can actually check out the video of it, of this interview on Joey Harriman's YouTube channel. The link will be in the Facebook description. You can find, uh, go to Jumbo Media and Promotions on Facebook. Uh, on this post about dropping this episode, there will be a link to the video of Joey Harriman's, uh, that we sent, that I sent to Joey of our interview. Um, and check his out, check out his YouTube guys. Um, got some good, got some good racing stuff there. So go over to it, check it out. Um, yeah, I don't, um, yeah, guys, it was a, a great conversation with him. Uh, great chat with him. So, like I said, head over to, to Joey Harriman's on YouTube. Uh, link will be in the description on Facebook um, or in the post on Facebook. Guys, make sure you head over to Jomo Media and uh, Promotions or find Jomo Media on um, uh, the store, our merch store. Buy some merch, guys. Share it. Uh, share, like, subscribe to our shows on Spotify, Apple, uh, Google. Guys, you guys are the ones that help me make, help me do this. I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Um, we will guys, we will see you guys next week, as we have uh, Jeff Laflem coming on. He is a mini stock racer out of the Barry area, um, Innisfil area. So yeah, guys, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a good time. It's good. It's a good conversation. Um, yeah. So, guys, next week we have Jeff LaFlem uh, on, so check us out. Uh, once again, like, subscribe, share this, share uh, the episodes, you guys. Share it to some friends who, who may not know um, some of these guys. And you're like, wow, these, you know, maybe think, like, uh, send it out, to, share it on your story, share, tag us in it. Um, guys, uh, we want to get this out there. We want to uh, have more people listening. We want to have more... Um, Drivers, crew members, spotters, team owners, whoever comes on. Um, so share, like, subscribe, comment. Let us know how we're doing. Um, yeah. Uh, so once again, my name is John Morrison. And you guys are listening to the True North Racing Podcast brought to you by Jomo Media Promotions. We will see you all next week.